When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Grecian's Gossip. Um, I'm joined today by David Byram. Hello. And Dan Clark. Hello. No Jamie with us today, uh, he's got a day off, but uh, anyhow, plenty to discuss for, for the three of us. Um, obvious places aren't, I guess, the 2-1 win over Mansfield at the weekend. David, you're at the game. Um, great comeback by City, yet again, we've said that a few times this season. Um, what did you make of the performance and did they deserve the win? Um... Difficult to argue they deserved the win. I mean, they, they took the win. It was a proper smash and grab, classic smash and grab in a way, to use a cliche. Um, you, you wouldn't sort of go out of that thinking they deserved the win. I think they definitely deserved a point for the way they, they just kept going in the second half, you know. Uh, first half, they were quite defensive. It was a little like Luton in the fact that Luton did most of the running, and like Mansfield did, and... Um, it was quite defensive, and, and but the difference was uh, City went in behind, which uh, they're probably not used to too much this season. But then they, they sort of just stuck to their guns in the second half and sort of just gradually, gradually sort of upped the pressure on Mansfield. And they did it in such a way that you, you looked at it with about 70 minutes to go, Mansfield breaking down one end, City sort of doing most of the controlling the ball there and thinking there's more goals in this one. And then uh, when, the, when Ryan Holly did equalise in the 84th minute, it was sort of proper coolness personified his finish as well it was a great goal and they, they just didn't panic and then it was just you know it was almost like a basketball game with both sides going from end to end trying to trying to score and in the end it was City's City's goal and I mean um, I, it's difficult to say they, they deserved the win but I think they you know I think the spirit they showed two weeks in a row now that they definitely deserved some, some of the luck they've had mm. Well we've got plenty to talk about in terms of that winner which we will come on to uh later on but I mean Dan um, you as a City fan I mean, great great win for them to come back it, to it it was, a, it was a, you know, a a big win for them to have it's been you know, you know obviously after the great comeback last week against Yeovil sort of doesn't disguise the fact that actually that was two points dropped rather than a point gained realistically if you look at where City are where Yeovil are and you kind of feel that you know it's sort of been having had that great run with sort of, you know the 12 games unbeaten it was it slipped to just two, in, two wins in ten so it was it was a must-needed victory, I think, where particularly against a side in Mansfield who are up there as a playoff challenger. They were one of the sides you just looking out from just below the playoffs, thinking they've got a chance to to get into the playoffs. And that win for Exeter, you know, even as it was, the draw would have, you know, only drawing would have seen slip to eighth momentarily. But that win, it keeps them in the playoff. It keeps the the gap behind them they've got two they've got two points ahead of Blackpool now they 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 lost in in stoppage time as well so it gives it just a little bit of margin of error that they can perhaps afford a draw rather than a win in certain games but it was a big win just to to keep the confidence going from last week after that great comeback now you've gone away to to Mansfield one of the top players you know one of your playoff rivals and you've beaten them away two home games against sides near the bottom of the table to come and you kind of feel that if they can keep this momentum going keep this winning run and this spirit going of you know this never say die attitude of you know scoring goals and stoppage time then 
there's very much a, a playoff push at minimum on the cards here at the moment. Well, on that note, now, and I'll, I'll address this to both of you, but I guess a team, I mean, it's brilliant that City have shown this resilience to come back from being goals down to salvage either a point or, or points. But I guess team, you, you can't rely on that forever, can you? You don't want to be trading in every game and, and coming back to do it. No, and you could certainly make that point about Yeovil, but I think Mansfield is a bit different. They, you know, they, they threw the kitchen sink at City in the first half. They were just playing at 90 miles an hour, just hitting it a long time and time again, trying to get in behind the defence. And, you know, it, it's no great shame to be behind at Mansfield, who are have got a brilliant record at home. And I think, you know, you, you could again make that argument if they go behind to, to Newport County next weekend, for example. But I, I think Mansfield is a bit of a different scenario, really. And, I think you have just got to praise the character of the side to, to come back. Dan, is it a concern for you at all that City have found themselves training? Not, well, not at, you know, sort of, when they had that great run going, that 12-game unbeaten run, I don't think they went behind in any of those games, and it was a, it was a case of the, they got the goal, you killed, that was the game killed off, almost, while, sort of, what sort of, and then they sort of started going behind, They've sort of, it's been quite a while now. They've actually been coming from behind in a lot of games. It's not just the, the last couple of games. There was the Blackpool game as well, Stevenage game. They've both those draws at home that they were behind in and came back to get the the results in. I mean, it does show that you know they aren't ever out of any games. They're always going to come. I mean, there are games you fall behind and you're not going to get the goals. I get. I guess Paul Tisdale would much be preferring his side to be two 0 up at half time and able to control games in that way but I suppose you know, eventually you feel they are going to score first in the game they are going to be able to take the lead they are going to be able to hang on onto it rather than having to chase the games constantly but I suppose the other thing is the recent games they do look a little bit better as a, an attacking unit when they are chasing games rather than just trying to control it sort of you know a bit of possession going nowhere when they've actually gone behind and they've got to throw men forward they've got to unleash all of the attacking prowess like the likes of Reed and Wheeler and Watkins and give the side they look far more of a threat so it's you, know, you obviously don't want to be chasing games but they do look more likely to score when they are chasing Has the games. advantages <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well in terms of the largest of playoff picture I mean, as we said they're up to up to six two point cushion over Blackpool back in eighth um, David how significant do you think that is that they've climbed a position on, on I think climbing? it's a bit psychologically it can be a bit of a, a confidence boost but just because they have got that cushion now I mean in terms of the points I think one point and two point it makes no difference at all you know still still can all change in a match can't it but um, I think you know they can now look at it and think we're not the team that teams are trying to chase down now that's Carlisle in seventh so in that respect I think it's you know, it's a little, little bit of a breather for them. A little, you know, because the team in seventh will always come under such serious pressure, and they've now got the four-point gap over over Mansfield in ninth as well. So, you know, if I mean, it obviously depends on this weekend. If let's say Carlisle drop points, then then City are guaranteed to stay in the playoffs in that respect. So, um, even if Blackpool win, so it, it you know it's. Yeah, I think it's a bit of psych- more psychological than, than anything meaningful at this stage of the season. But, you know, it, it just takes the pressure off a little, I think. Mm. Dan, I, know you, I didn't think you were here, but we were discussing last week about just how far back, in terms of positions, the race for the playoff goes, given that the um, 
points are fairly congested. I mean, as David just said then, I mean, there's a bit of a, a buffer now from Mansfield back in ninth. I mean, like you said, four points. Do you see the playoffs now as being a bit of a shootout between the sort of top eight or the you know fourth to eighth? You'd think it's most likely to be. I mean, sort of, there's Mansfield, Wickham. You know, they're fit on 58. You've got Cambridge, Colchester, 57, Accrington, who so that that defeat to Exeter by Accrington. Now, put into context, with the, they just keep winning games. I mean, on 55, they're probably too far back, and they'll they'll probably need 16 points to have any chance. You, you think? I mean, you sort of they normally it's normally around the 70 points mark for seventh spot, and that you know for the likes of Mansfield, Wickham, there's four wins. The last six games, that's that's doable still for them. They've just got some difficult fixtures, some of these sides. But you kind of feel that particular Mansfield, I think you know Colchester, they lost at the weekend as well. I think sort of just a the wrong time to lose for them. They've just checked their the momentum. They've checked that push. They're a little bit too far down. Is it just between you know fourth and five? I'd still say that one of those sides probably is gonna being still in the shake-up at the end of the season. I mean, Carlisle, that was a massive, massive win for them at, at the weekend at Yeovil, obviously, after their, their terrible run. We'd almost discounted them, just how bad they were playing. But that win just keeps them in the playoffs. It keeps them, gives them something to work with. And that last day of the season, Exeter Carlisle could still be a, a shootout for seventh spot, potentially, depending how things go. But you kind of feel... With Exeter, it's now you know, obviously it's two points to Blackpool. It's four points to everyone else. You'd hope you'd be able to, in the last six games of the season not to be able to drop four points more than all those sides mm. chasing in. Will be just needing to beat one side out rather than a whole host of sides. Sure. Okay. Well, um, David, you caught up with Paul Tissell after the game, so if we give um, his comments a quick listen to now, see what he had to say. It, it was a really competitive game, and. Um, there was no doubt that they had the edge in the first half. They were really, really hard to handle. And I thought we had the edge in the second half. And, OK, it's a rotten way to lose it. It's a great way to win it. And if it finished the draw, I think we'd both be satisfied. But it's uh, take the three points and move on. Let's not be too pleased with ourselves. Six games to go and a long way to go yet. What does it say about your team that two weeks in a trot now, they've just had that never-so-die week? We're going to carry on going to the very end. Yeah, it's a mixture of, it's a mixture of, of yeah, the, the, what you just mentioned, the, the spirit of continuing and trying hard, and there's also know-how of where to stand, where to play, how to pass it, where to go. It's a mixture of that, and we showed that I think in, in, in abundance that last 20 minutes. And um, Matt Oakley was just an absolute masterclass there. Changed the game, changed the pattern. So it's a mixture. It's a mixture of the two things. Of course, they believe they could score, and they carried on, and well done them. But um, you've got to know what to do as well. And, they, and we did it. You know, it was a really, really good finish to the game from us. And we'll have terrible times. We'll have exciting times. Today was an exciting time. It was. But, uh, as I said earlier in the interview, it's, uh, it's not worth getting carried away. It's not way to go yet. Yeah, there were some. Tremendous saves from Christy Pym as well at vital times. I think one in injury time that would have made it two one to them, and it just shows again his importance. That was a magnificent, magnificent save, absolutely brilliant save. 
I thought it saved us a point. It actually won us three. So, and, and Pierce Sweeney was on the rebound and was there. You know, so everyone plays their part. That was a big, big moment. So it's two or three, two, two three minutes to go, and we've gone from what looks like to be a, a defeat to a win. And that's football for you. And uh, there'll be more of those to come, I'm sure. You mentioned Matt Oakley there. Um, obviously, Ruben put away the penalty. Two substitutes that, that you made. It must be pleasing as a manager when what you've done to influence the game during the match has paid off. I've got a bench, got a bench to work with, and uh, I had that for quite a few years. So even with injury, Lee Holmes, Robbie Simpson, and Craig Woodman, and still got a bench. Still got lots and lots of choices on that bench, and uh, get the right player for the right moment. Uh, it was a great ball from Matt Oakley to, to Ruben to create the penalty. Really good ball. Yeah. They, obviously in the first half you mentioned it, had, had quite a lot of chances. And the fact that you had to play Luke Kroll, well basically kind of for, they, they might call themselves centre-backs along the, the back line. How do you think the defence did? It did really well. I mean, you know, you can look at any goal that's scored against you and say, well, what if we've done better here or there? But I know they played well and we had a first contest in the first half and we coped with it really well. I thought Luke Kroll had a really good game. I mean, when he came in, we on loan. We asked him if, uh, right at the start, could you cover left back if you had to? And it's not your, not your preferred position. Could you cover it? And uh, it's always been there as a, as, a, as, a, as a backup, just in case. And it's kept you in the playoff places. Another game gone. Another team in and around you that you've that you've won. So that push for to finish the season so strong is still going. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think. I just don't think it's the right. Theme to keep saying we're staying in the playoffs. You know, it's we're, in the, we're not in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs in May if we get there. We're not in the playoffs. You know, there's only 40 games gone. We've got to get rid of that. We're not in the playoffs. We will be the last game of the season at 10 to 5 if we finish between fourth and seventh. It's all that matters. So, you know, Mansfield will come strong. They're not gonna. They've got one hell of a competitive spirit. Just not. Um, just not think we've done it today. So, um, calm, collected, move on to the next. And the next is Newport? Yeah, get my thoughts together there. Yes, we are. We've one game at a time, Newport home, but let's get on the coach today and get home and recap on our performance. Well, there we go, that was Paul Tisdale after the game, um, uh, the win over Mansfield at the weekend. Um, a couple of bits to touch on. I mean, first part is, I think it's quite obvious isn't it, isn't it David he's really sort of playing down this this point about being in the in the playoffs I think he's very much seems to be going on about to play the opposition rather than the table I mean what do you what do you make of that I think it's a it's an interesting thing to say I, I, I see his point that you know for all we've just been talking about the playoffs City aren't in the playoffs until, until the end of the season are they you know they're, they're in the playoff positions at the moment but it doesn't matter too much as long as they go into the final game of the season with a chance of getting to the playoffs, and then it's all, all to play for. So I, you know, I, I think when, when someone asks him, "Oh, it's kept you in the playoffs as well," I think he, he might bristle a little of that, of that because, as he said, they as actually a lot of the players said as well, they've not achieved anything yet this season. You know, their their aim is at the end of the season to get in the playoffs, and as it stands, that they haven't done that yet. So it's, you know, they they've given themselves an opportunity to do that. And I, I think the thing about not being too pleased with themselves after the win. Is, is quite an interesting point as well because you know there was such big celebrations after the final whistle because everyone knew how big a game it was and how how important the win was and how, how the win came about but I think you know it's, it's very easy to overlook that 
you know, I, th- I think it's very easy to sort of now think, oh, that's a job done, four points over Mansfield, we're in the playoffs, and that's not going to happen. You know, now they need to get back to uh, down to basics and focus on, on Newport this weekend. Mm. Dan, what did you make of uh, Tiz's comments? I think he's still trying to just play things down a little bit, doesn't want to get overexcited, doesn't want to be thinking too far ahead. I mean, the job is getting closer to being done, but it's not done yet, and all it takes is one bad performance this weekend. Black will win their game, and all of a sudden, you're outside the playoffs again, and you're having to, to chase teams down. I think whether we're sort of thinking... In sort of in the past, extra been in these positions, sort of started talking about the playoffs, and it's it's gone wrong at the end of the end of the seasons badly. And going back to last season as well, there was obviously once extra drew Liverpool in the cup, was promptly responded with four defeats in a row, sort of getting thinking too far ahead of themselves and actually not doing the job at hand, not getting those wins that they need. So he's sort of just doesn't want you I think he's trying to take a little bit of pressure off the team as well sort of saying it's you know it's not done yet we're not there you know we've still got a long way to go and sort of you know but there is the obviously the psychological boost that they are they are winning these games and it does appear to be a quite a good atmosphere and around the squad which sort of obviously is it's working out and they ha- they're sort of listening to Paul Tisdale's comments at the moment mm. Well, going from one manager's comments to another, uh, certain Steve Evans uh, unusually actually had something to say about the, <laughs> the game at the weekend. Um, he had some pretty pretty stern words about Ruben Reid. I mean, Philip Blunt, you basically accused him of uh, diving for the for the penalty late on. We've had a few look uh, looks at the replays, haven't we? Including the latest angle that Mansfield have released for the whole instant. David, what are your thoughts? Penalty or not? I think it's debatable. To be honest, I think you can't. You can't say either way. You can't say he's died, and you can't say it's a definite foul. I think it's interesting how how angry Steve Evans seemed after final whistle, because he had his arms permanently raised at the referee all game, complaining about every single decision. But I noticed when the penalty was given, he didn't didn't complain one bit. And I don't know if that was just him thinking, oh, we've gone and lost this now, or if that was him thinking it was a penalty, and he's now trying to deflect the blame. Who knows? But um, you know, I've looked at angles. You know. It's impossible to say. You can see why it's been given. You can see why they think it's a, why they might have thought it was a dive because Reuben Reed does go down very easily. But I think you know. I I think the, the defenders sort of got himself into a bit of a mix there by allowing Reuben Reed to cut inside and get past him, and then he goes shoulder to shoulder. And when that happens in the box, I think you're asking for trouble to be honest. And I think you know I I'm reluctant to say it's a definite penalty because I don't think it was. You know, Ruben Reed described it as a stone wall penalty. I'm not sure. I mean, he was involved in it. So I'd probably take his word over mine. But, um, you know, it's it's impossible to see how much contact there was and and whether, you know, I think if it was shoulder to shoulder, it's probably a bit different. But on one angle, it looks like the defender does stick out a leg as well to try and nick the ball. And that is where the the issue is, I think. You know, if if Ruben Reed catches his leg, then I think it's a penalty. But um, you know, Steve Evans has obviously made up his mind, and uh, well, who are we to argue with him? <laughs> Dan, what do you think? I know you weren't overly convinced. Though. I mean, if you look at it from the angle you've seen initially, you can sort of think it looks it looks more the penalty. The, the angle that Mansfield, of all the angles they've managed to find for their highlights, <laughs> is one that you look at and you sort of think that looks m- much more like a die from that one. I mean, it's. 
it's it's a difficult one, it's, you know, because obviously they're both running at high speed. It's not it's the wrong end of the field for the camera angles really to say. So sort of Reed gets behind him as well. It's the kind it's the kind of thing. There's probably not much contact. Is there enough to go down? Well, it seems like you know if he stays on his feet, tries to stay on his feet, loses control of the ball. You know, Exeter don't take the chance. The referee isn't going to go back and give him a penalty. So he sort of feels any kind of slight contact in that position, 97th minute, you're going to go down. You're going to try and get the penalty. I think it's. Just, I think there's you know, more is being made of it because of the context of it. it. Was the last kick of the game? It gives Exeter the win. It gives Mansfield no chance to even try and recover. But. I mean, you know, Steve Evans's comments on him. Obviously, Ruben Reed's not going to put his hand up and say, "Yeah, definitely dived there." I wouldn't have thought so. so you Steve say Evans that, though. has hit out at him, and it's he. You know, it's almost you know, Ruben Reed. You don't want to you know say, "Yeah, actually, I did dive." Ha ha! It's hilarious. You say that though, but let's not forget he ha- he admits to handballing it into the into the goal against Stevenage, didn't he? He, well, you know, that, Ruben... that was an obvious handball. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But you know, Ruben Reed's a straight talker, and yeah. you know, he's an experienced player, and he was. You know, he he's spoken about how his mindset then was: if I get across the player, he might foul me. Mm. And so, in that respect, I think, you know, obviously he, he probably won't come out and say it's a dive, but you know, he's also calling Steve Evans deluded, which is probably going a little too far. If, <laughs> if um, probably going a little too far if he did dive, to be honest. But um, yeah, I, I mean, sorry to interrupt there, Dan, no, but yeah. I, I I would dispute that that Reuben Reed wouldn't come out and no. and admit mm-hmm. it. You know, if he's spoken to him, he's a he's the sort of person who, you know, he, he likes a bit of conflict, likes that sort of <laughs> likes to sort of play on things like that. So I think he would have been happy. I mean, you know, he came out as well um, with uh, Christy Pym's save right at the end, and he said, "Oh, I thought it was an average save." When apparently <laughs> everyone in the city dressing room is praising Christy Pym after the game, you know, he's not the sort to. To mince his words, so I, I I would sort of dispute that he wouldn't admit to it. So mm. the other thing for the referee, if, if Steve Evans has been you know, yapping at you for ninety minutes, contesting every decision, mm-hmm. every thing, sort of you know angrily shouting at you, I mean, does that make a as a referee more likely or less likely to to give a late decision? At, They're only really human, you? aren't they? I suppose <laughs> at the end of the day. But, uh, also, I mean, the other thing I was going to mention was what about the timing of it? I mean, I know. Something's a foul or it isn't a foul, that shouldn't make any difference regardless of what minute it happens in. But 97th minute does make it a very big call from the referee, doesn't it? So um, you'd like to think he was. He does seem the decision. from the highlights, there's no delay. It's We go down and the whistle's blown instantly, he's pointing to the spot. So he's obviously, the referee is very convinced it's a penalty. He's not even had one second to think what else could it be there. He obviously thinks from his angle it's a foul, it's a penalty and I don't care that it's the 97th minute and I'm giving it to the away side and they're going to win the game here so that suggests he thinks it was a penalty you know, it's a it's a big call to make it's the kind of call often you don't see made that late in a game for the away side maybe the fact it's Mansfield rather than, I don't know 97th minute at Old Trafford or something like that <laughs> you might feel less likely to give it but you know the referees you know it shouldn't matter when the you know if that's in the first minute or the last minute if the referee thinks it's a foul and it's inside the box then he should be pointing to the spot and it's worth pointing out as well you know 97th minute if it was that contentious a decision the Mansfield players would have surrounded the referee 
but they all just set up for the penalty. Even the guy who fouled him said, you know, put his hands up like, oh, I can't believe you've given this. But they didn't sort of go over and start haranguing the referee or anything like that. Mm. They just all set up for the penalty, thinking, you know, maybe it was a case of it's being given, there's nothing we can do to change that. But, you know, you would surround the referee in the 97th minute if... if you at least... You at least- Fake, you know, feign yeah. some protestants, you mm. know, go up to him and say, Are you sure, ref? You, you know, yeah. even though you know he isn't going to change his mind, you give a, at least give across the impression that you're trying to get him to change his mind or just, you know, say a few words, just, you know. Yeah. At least it's, well, I suppose that's the kind of thing the fans would want to, you to be seeing at least, you know, at least trying to, to you know, to do something about it or just to, you know, get across your opinion it wasn't a foul ref even, even just saying that to him you normally yeah. would see even in, even when players know they fouled someone mm. what was the um, uh, school of thought in the press box David? Uh, I don't think there was much to be honest <laughs> I think um, I think I, I mean the, the person next to me was doing I think he was doing BBC Nottinghamshire commentary and he said it was a penalty but um, I think most people were just a bit Stunned and exhausted by the by the, the whole turn of events, to be honest, yeah. for the for the second week running, yeah. <laughs> Lot of size from having to rewrite their match. <laughs> Pretty much. Last minute, I, I mean, I I've got to admit, I did miss the uh, I did miss the initial decision because I was typing my intro, an 84th minute goal from Ryan Harley rescued a point for yeah. Well, just on the subject of Ryan Harley, you caught up with him again, so let's um, let's have a listen to what he has to say, and then uh, we'll move on to some. Uh, Twitter questions. It's a good result, but it's um, sure as a few of the boys have said, we've still got six games to go, so nothing to be excited about. It's just another another victory to keep us ticking along. Um, we worked hard first half we fought, and then second half we found our way into the game and got playing our football and found little holes. And um, generally a good day. And I suppose another week in a row where, where the sort of side is showing the spirit by coming back uh, up sort of late on as well. Yeah, I think you see the teams. I think if the team spirit or the spirit around the club is not like, don't come back at a place like Mansfield, put it that way, they've got a good home record. You know what their manager's going to bring, he gets his teams at it. We matched them all the way and um, came over to 2 1, so yeah, you can, can't do much more. And with your goal, do you always sort of feel confident that you, you sort of get that translate on? Um, you, just, you just play the game. As the manager says, you play the game second by second, minute by minute, and just play the next, play the next moment. And uh, fortunately, it fell nice to me. And, Away. Yeah. And then I, I guess once that once that happened, it sort of opened the game up and allowed Ruben to, to score late on as well. Yeah, yeah, he done very well. He done well when he come on. I mean, everyone done well. It's a team game. He wasn't playing today, unfortunately for him, but he, he come on. He's a real threat. And uh, it's calm to stick a pen away like that in the last minute. And uh, with this with this result and, and last week, I mean, he, I guess he can take that there's real momentum going forward to. Uh, yeah, of course, we've got six. As people say, it's a cliche. We've got six cup finals now. So we just got to you know, tick every game off one game at a time and um, see where it takes us. And I suppose with the experience players like you and Ruben have got, sort of yeah. scoring late on it sort of must help as well. And yeah, of course, it. yeah. There's no, you know, you don't have to rush at the start of the game. We just play our way into it, and we, we, we look. So I know they scored for half and hit the crossbar, but you know, the other team got a right to play as well, you know. So I thought we were good today. There we go. That was um, Ryan Harley talking to, uh, to David a moment ago. Right, so on to some uh, questions from, from Twitter. Now, Exeter City fan base, he asks, what does Steve Evans get out of moaning at everything even when the opposition win a fair header? Now, Dan, you have... Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can only assume that his, it's the, if I keep moaning, if you keep protesting every decision, 
you feel that the referees and officials are, are more likely to give you a 50-50 decision, that's got, you know, that's got to be the mindset behind it. I mean, if you do it at every single decision, they're eventually just going to pay no attention to you and just let you run quietly in the corner, not quietly, but ignore him yeah, <laughs> to that point. But I, it's got, it, you know, whether it's a thing to put pressure on, on officials that, you know, a close decision is going to go our way rather than their way because I'm so irate that you didn't give us a throw-in in the third minute <laughs> when it could have been a throw-in to us in our own half kind of thing. That's got to be the, the mindset out of it. I mean, it does appear that, obviously, it didn't work on Saturday, but having moaned for 90 minutes when there is a controversial decision, the referee's he's given it to Exeter anyway, so... It, you know, you can't really see Paul, Paul Tisdale doesn't do it. I suppose they're polar opposites. Well, I was just in, about... in the managers. Paul Tisdale they rarely complains about anything, even when there's there's reason to. I was just about to ask about that. I mean, David, you, you know, well, you watch Tisdale every week, pretty much in games. I mean, he's, he isn't around as a manager who's particularly vocal towards a referee, and occasionally the you know this whole accusation of Exeter City almost being a bit too nice sometimes has been sort of bandied about once or twice. What do you make of that? Um, I think it's interesting. The, the most actually. Most I've seen Paul Tisdale sort of talk back to a referee was actually at Yeovil last week, um, or not at Yeovil, at City, at the Yeovil game, when Tisdale went sprinting off down the touchline when they scored the equaliser, and the linesman tried to send him off, the referee was having none of it, mm-hmm. and Paul Tisdale sarcastically applauded the linesman, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, they're chalk and cheese, Tisdale and Evans, and um, I, I don't think... I don't think... It, Tisdale being too nice or anything like that has has anything any sort of bearing on referees' decisions. I think, you know, I think referees probably appreciate it when you let them go, get on with the game. But I think, as as Dan said, I think you're probably more likely to influence referees' decisions one way or the other with a uh, with being a vocal referee, you know, or with being a vocal manager. You know, if if Ev, like um, if Tisdale stays silent all game, the referee's not going to think he's been silent all game. I'm not going to give him this or something like that. It's probably just going to be allow the referee to make his own mind up, which is the end, end of the day is sort of what you want to happen. In an ideal world, referee, it should make no difference whatsoever. They shouldn't be influenced by by anything really. You know, it doesn't matter how much a manager shouts at you. A referee should judge every single decision on the merits of that individual decision. I mean, but then they are only human, and if someone does spend ninety minutes shouting at you, eventually, you know. There is, you, there's a, like a school of thought that they're going to just be fed up with that and just give them a decision against them just to shut them up. I, I mean, suppose they, it's likely they to should, have an effect one yeah, way or the other. Yeah, they it, sh- it shouldn't have an effect, but I think you suspect it probably does, even though referees wouldn't admit that you know, that manager shouting does have an effect. You, you'd hope it doesn't either way, in that they're just, you know, if he thinks it's a foul, he'll give it as a foul, irrespective of how that's going to, you know, managers and fans and players are going to react to that. I think it's all well and good, you know, having, you know, screaming and shouting at the referee, but I think it's also worth that, you know, I think Paul Tizzo's point of view, you might be, let's have a look at how we got into this position in the first place. You know, Steve Evans is more of a pragmatic man. He might be thinking, how has Ruben Reid been able to get into the box in the 97th minute? And why aren't Mansfield winning? Because they were 1-0 up already. Mm-hmm. And the second half, they had three or four quick counter-attacks that they completely wasted. So, you know, it, it's all well and good sort of blaming the referee for this. But Mansfield had the opportunities to win the game themselves and the fact they've not taken them, it's, it's their own downfall in a way. OK. 
Well, we've had another one in from uh, Ethan Amperdain. He asks, are we going to try and wing it into the playoffs with Kroll at left-back? Now, this is a topic we've discussed once or twice before on this show. Um, first of all, for a tiny bit of background, Craig Woodman's obviously out with this broken arm. David, have you heard any more about how long he might be out for? Is it still sort of... I think it's still up in the air, to be honest. I, mean, I can't see him getting back this season, but mm. you never know with a broken arm, to be honest. Uh, it definitely won't be short-term, at least. He might be back for the final game or two, I suppose. But there's there's no no def- no reason for him to go back. Come back quicker than that. Fair enough, okay. Well, Dan, I mean, how do you think Kroll's got on at left back, and can you see him sort of sticking there basically for the rest of the season? Um, I'd suspect that's probably Paul Tisdale's preferred option at this stage. I mean, I didn't see the game, but I haven't heard too many overly negative reports of his performance on Saturday. I know he came off late on, that's a change of tactics more than any sort of mef- you know, comment on his performance. I mean, it is, you know, is he a natural left back? Perhaps not, but there's sort of a dearth of other real options. I mean, you think if Conor Riley Lowe was going to be given a chance, he would have been given a chance at Mansfield being an actual left back. I mean, when he stopped playing at the start of the season, he was playing on the left wing more than left back anyway, which perhaps says a bit more about what Paul Tisdale thinks his end position is going to be, where he's likely to be playing. I mean, Luke Kralov's having a decent game at the weekend but then that was his usual decent game away from St James's Park it's, the, it's whether he'll play have a good game at left back sort of slightly out of position at home where his performances haven't quite been as good I suspect I, I'm, I can't see anything other than Kralov starting left back on Saturday really you'd think I mean the other option is to move Jordan Moore Taylor across and then shift the whole defence across but you feel if that was gonna, if he was gonna do that, he'd have done that on Saturday. So, mm. Kroll does look. Whether whether it's winging it with Kroll, I don't know, <laughs> but it's it does look to be that what is gonna be option A at the very least. And if it doesn't work, then there are you know more Taylor, Riley Lowe, amongst others. You know, go three at the back and play like no Holmes at wing back when he comes back as an option that. Could could be explored if Luke Kroll can't cut it at left back. David, do you feel that I mean we've talked about Conor Riley Lowe in the past and how he's by all accounts quite highly rated at City, but do you think Tisdale has uh, just a question mark? I mean, he's he's a young young player, obviously, but a question mark over whether he's ready to be sort of dropped into the cut and thrust of a big game, particularly away at Mansfield. Like I think it's it's partly that, and partly as Dan said, he's more of an attacking option. I think City were very much trying to sort of, you know, Mansfield had very good wing-backs who he would attack all game. I think City were very much of the opinion, first off especially, keep it tight and see what happens. And I think for that, you, you want a more defensive option like Luke Kroll, who, whilst he, he has played left-back and he, apparently he's been playing left-back in, in reserve games in case something like this came up, in which case you think, you think oh, they've been playing this for a while. But he was very much a centre-back playing at left-back. And I, I think... It was, you know, even Jordan Moore Taylor the more natural left back, but I don't think they wanted to break up the uh, Troy Brown and, and Jordan Moore Taylor centre back pairing. But um, I think it's difficult, you know, because Conor Rodriguez isn't the most experienced of players, but um, neither is Luke Kroll. Luke Kroll is probably a little more experienced, having played well at, on the books at Crystal Palace at the moment. But at the same time, you look at it from the, from the position City are in now. Conor Rodriguez was in that position last season with Truro. So he's used to having these sort of run-ins, you know. It might be at a lower level, but you know he's probably used to having that sort of pressure on him. 
they lost in the playoff semi-final last season, uh, Trio, but um, you know he's used to making it into the playoffs. He could argue. So it's, I it's honestly one of those positions that I've I'm still not really sure either way about. <laughs> to be honest, you know I can see there. I think there are pros and cons to every single option. And I think you know, Kroll did okay on on Saturday being a more defensive option, but you know playing a, a relegation candidate in in Newport County this weekend. You might even see Conor Riley Lowe come back in, considering he was also his last game for City. He was at Newport County as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, just finally, we've got one in from Jack. He says, is there any slight chance of the top three? Dan? I'd say probably not, realistically. I mean, it's it's nine it's nine points to Portsmouth, and it's about effectively ten, given Portsmouth's goal difference. So, you know, to get there, what Exeter, I mean... You're looking probably five wins in a draw minimum. Exeter that gets you that gets you to just you know get you to seventy eight points. Portsmouth are they going to get less than seven points in their remaining six games? You wouldn't have thought so. They seem to have found the form at the moment. They're sort of looking and they've got that gap gap to fourth place. They look as if they're going to go up with Doncaster and Plymouth. I mean Doncaster will probably be confirm their promotion at at the weekend Plymouth aren't that far behind and I mean it's hard to see anyone stopping Portsmouth I mean Stevenage are the closest to them but I can't even see them realistically realistically getting third place that from Portsmouth so that's what I was going to ask you David could you see Stevenage bridging that gap at all probably not to be honest I mean you know I can for example, I can see City making up the gap on Portsmouth if Portsmouth drops every point between now and the end of the season, but I just can't see... I can't really... You know, if the team's in third at the moment, I can't see them dropping six points within the final six games, let alone nine. So I think it's it's Portsmouth to lose, obviously, and I, I don't think they will lose it. Mm. And you can't see City sort of closing that up, no? No, no, I mean, if, if Steven Ish don't, I, I don't think City will either. Resounding nose all round there. <laughs> Sorry, we just, Jack. Well, we just went on our trip to Wembley. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that one, Jack. But uh, there you go. The experts have spoken. But anyhow, thanks very much for joining us, and uh, we'll be back later in the week with another Grecian's Gossip episode. <laughs>